0: Beginning, the beginning, the
1: beginning, the beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, we always love hearing from you guys and seeing that you're listening to the episodes. It means a lot to us, and I know it means a lot to the guests too who are sharing their story and taking the time to come on. And so today we have a really special guest. I'm really excited to uh, to talk to her today. Uh, we met at a brief families of Ontario conference, and so it was nice to actually get her back on. But before we do that, I want to just say that today we have a special guest you might not know maybe you do you probably do by now and it's jade black sean can't be here today again but we have jade black how are you doing today
2: i'm doing very very well aside from missing sean of course but i'm happy to uh to be here hosting again today it's great
1: Yeah, and you had some new things pop up in your life these days uh, can you just share for listeners um uh, yeah we haven't had an update episode in a while
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we're actually due for an update episode, so we should consider doing that in the the near future. But I've recently taken on, on top of my usual life load of stuff, I've taken on a gig uh, writing for a lifestyle magazine here in British Columbia. So um, I've been flexing my non-academic creative writing muscle. So that's been really cool and fun and a different take on writing. So I've, I've done a couple articles for them and um it's a great magazine just kind of lifestyle stuff health and beauty and wellness and you know all all things lifestyle so that's kind of a cool thing it's been a month since i've started that so i'm excited about it and really um enjoy it and i think it kind of balances out my uh you know uh the coaching and stuff it's a little more lighthearted. so
1: really no that's cool. nice yeah. i'm and it's good seeing you take that step and for them actually want you to do this stuff. And I've read it. I read the two that you've done so far and they're really cool and really amazing. And it's right. It's a more free flowing kind of writing for you. Uh, I yes. can't wait. I can't wait to do something like that after this dissertation's done. Um, countdown guys, I should be done by December. So uh, that's going to be really <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I'm yeah. so excited. It's ridiculous to see a finish line after so many years. Um, of course. So, yeah.
2: and, of so I course. Should, and I think it's, Sorry, I think it's um I I I think it's good after you've been, you know, doing academic writing for so long to kind of shift to something, you know, because I've been writing poetry forever and stuff and and as much as I love academic writing, there's a lot of guidelines, it's very there's a lot of rigor there. So I just feel, you know, the creative juice is flowing, which I I I like and to put that out into the world. It's kind of like a cool uh a cool Break from the academic stuff, so yeah, I love it, and I hope to share more with you guys. And uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, for we'll asking. have to.
1: That. We'll have to do an update episode about that. We'll have to get Sean on board and figure okay. all that out because yeah, there's just a lot of stuff going on all of our lives. And so I also have some uh, workshops coming up too and presentations. I'll talk about those at the end of the podcast. Um, but I want to really get to this uh, first guest, which is Christine Bergsma. Christine Bergsma is award-winning screenwriter and course developer. Christine honed her skills as a visual marketing specialist and worked to build her own business. As a passionate businesswoman, earnest writer, and mother of two, her journey of self discovery has been a roller coaster ride of emotion and opportunity. In partnership with professionals in the fields of psychology and medicine, Christine created Journaling Through, a collection of guided self help journals designed to help others navigate their respective roller coaster life experiences. So, Christine, thank you so much for coming on here.
0: Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure.
1: And Can so... I just
2: say sorry? I just want to say I, I like that. <laughs> Has been a roller coaster ride of emotion and opportunity. Uh, that I like that because it resonates with me, and hopefully, we'll get to talk a little bit more about that. But cool bio, cool inter uh, introduction. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, we'll definitely get, get uh, to that because that's a really fascinating part of people's journey, especially when they can see it as almost uh, a benefit in some way of their just their life as a roller coaster. But first, before we get to that part, let's, uh, I want to talk about your early life, just because when we first met uh, at the, uh, the conference, uh, you sh- your accent was unique. And I asked you where it was from and I was blown away. So, where are where you actually from? <laughs>
0: No problem. Well, I was born and raised in South Africa, so I immigrated to Canada actually a month ago. It would be 16 years.
1: Oh, wow. That's a, that's a long time. So what did you, for 16 years, so you left when you were 16?
0: I left when I was 21. Thanks for oh. aging me there, Josh. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> She's been here for 16 years. Oh, I've been here, here for no,
0: 16
1: yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard that. You could have took the bait and said yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. So what did you do in South Africa uh, that, was, um, that was new? So how was that journey and how is that different from Canada? Because I've never actually been to South Africa.
0: Yeah, well, like I said, I was born and raised there and my family was there and their family's family. So we were one of the first immigrants that came by ship in the 1600s. I know because people usually ask that. So we've been there for centuries. And um, I studied law when I graduated high school. And then I actually completed my degree here in Canada via correspondence, but I couldn't transfer any of it. So I just, you know, took a different career path. However, taking all of that knowledge from the legal perspective, from being, you know, sort of outside the box thinking, which you have to do as a lawyer and putting it into this new business, the journaling business.
1: And what was that like actually? Like what, studying like law so why
0: did you go into that i'm a libra so i kind of think that i was predestined to do something in fairness (laughs) and for (laughs) liberty and you know finding the right path balancing things finding that right scale so law has always attracted me my mom actually she wanted to be a lawyer as well and I do have a few family members. They're actually mostly lawyers and medical professionals. So I think in a certain extent, your, or my circumstances pushed me towards that a little as well.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> with all that, and you had a lot of help and guidance uh, from that. That's so interesting. Did you enjoy, enjoy it as much as your family was doing it? Did you actually enjoy doing it?
0: I loved it, and I still do. I still read law cases and, you know, I actually wanted to be a corporate lawyer, so to work with mergers and acquisitions and more of that type of thing, not per se people law, so more on the business side of things. And that's why I think it's such a good mesh now. I can still be creative in doing the journals, but really it's a business so that part of it, the contract, making deals with people, that's really where I get, you know, that passion back and be like, oh, this is exciting.
1: <laughs> that's good. Well, I'm glad you're excited about what you're doing. You should be, because I think what you're doing is great. And you got to live a life that you're excited about.
0: <laughs> yes, thank you.
1: <laughs> and so why did you leave? So what happened there? Did you find love? Did your parents leave? <laughs>
0: new. <laughs> I found love in Canada. <laughs> uh, well. But my my parents did leave. Yes. Yeah, so I left with um, both of my brothers and my parents. So that helped a lot, especially with loss of a country. You lose pretty much your friends. You lose a part of your history. You lose pretty much your childhood because nobody like you said, you've never been there. So for me to explain even to people here how it was growing up there, it's third party like. So you lose a lot of that. So that was a part of tying into the grief that we had to work through as a family as well, leaving all that behind, knowing what stores there are, you know, like I didn't understand. The first thing I had in Canada was like a blueberry bagel. It's a blueberry bagel from some Hortons. And that's the only thing I can, you know, think of that links me back to South Africa now. It's like, I didn't even know what a bagel was. <laughs> so every time I order one, it sort of triggers that, like, you know, And the other thing, too, is that just from a weather perspective, we left in 35 above. Toronto Airport was minus 36 within a matter of two days. So there's a shock culturally. There's a shock, am I actually going to die this winter because it is so cold? And people were asking us, is this the warmest clothes that you have? I'm like, well, it's not like they make it in South Africa for warmer because they don't need to. So just, you know, silly little things like that. It's like, wow, this is an adjustment. But I'll tell you the reason why I left is because on the way back from university, I actually got mugged at four o'clock in the afternoon. A person came by and knocked my window out with a spark plug. So he took my bag and there was just glass everywhere. And when I got to the police station, the police officer took my statement. I think I called my dad en route. I can't even remember, but I just drove myself to the police station. at like the ripe old age of 20 (laughs) and he said well you know just be really glad that you're not murdered or raped and I was like okay so that day my dad decided it's time for us to move we gave it 10 years you know so crime was really the the pushing factor for us to get to where we are now
1: wow that's uh it's amazing journey and story and so I guess Canada's a little like do you feel safer
0: in Canada Oh, much safer, much safer. Mm -hmm. However, I will say that, you know, if you've ever been in that traumatic circumstance, and this is not a once off episode, obviously it's, you know, if you live in a country that is crime-filled, I think the latest statistic is that you have a 91% chance of getting away with a crime in South Africa. So you're not really safe anywhere. You're not safe at home. You're not safe at school. You're not safe anywhere. You're kind of boxed in. So sometimes I do have those triggers and I also realize that I will never get rid of them completely because it was 21 years of my life sort of living like that. So I'll always make sure that the doors are locked or I'll have like an exit strategy and it's, it's very subconscious now because I've been here for so long in Canada where it is safe, but I don't think you will ever get rid of that part of you mm-hmm. because it is so ingrained. It's just a part of who I am now. That's
1: so interesting and even the weather like and that's, that's something I never really thought of when talking with you but you're right it reminds me of the movie Cool Runnings have you have you seen that
0: oh, It's like my favorite movie of all time it's like not so much the heat but the humidity that kills you Yes Yes
1: I can just picture you coming out like that right like, like bundled all up with all your clothes
0: <laughs> That was pretty much me Yes oh, Wow wow
2: <laughs> That's when I, don't, I think it's I think it's important to touch on like this idea of secondary loss to, you know, when you're saying we have to, you had to grieve your country and your childhood and, and different cultural things that, yeah, you can still carry with you, but they'll never be there to the same degree. And going through that process of integrating into um, Canada and, and all the customs and cultures that we have here. And, and at the same time, you know, holding true to like some of the traditions from home. It's, it's, it's a process and I think a lot of people don't always view that as grief and as a process of grief but it you know from people I've encountered and um it most certainly is you're absolutely right and I think too for me a
0: lot of it was letting go like you would think that you know like you said like holding on to certain traditions certain traditions it will just always be me and thankfully my husband and children have accepted that sometimes my senior kindergarten kid would tell me mommy that's not how you say bowl and I'm like that is how you say it he's like it's bowl I'm like okay fine you know it's even like the accent sometimes brings you back to where you were but in terms of letting family go letting my friends go to a certain extent because originally we were very scared for their lives as well and You know, South Africa is not in the news as much here in the Northern Hemisphere, but things are not looking great. (laughs) There's always hope, but you're always stressed for the people that you left behind as well. And for me, for my grief journey, I had to let them go because it's not my life. It's their decision. They are professionals. They can leave if they want to the same way we did. So I think even for my family, you know, and, and if we get to the part of the grief dream that I had, that sort of ties into that as well.
1: Wow. It's just, you know, like, I guess I take for granted how, I guess, safe it is in Canada versus other parts of the world. And just so it just makes me reflect on all that. And, and also, you know, how much courage you need because you said you, you left for love. So it's like how much courage you need to leave a place with your friends and, you know, and family and everything you've known to go uh, out. I know, Jade, you had a difficult time from Ontario to BC. And like,
2: yes, yes. Okay very much so uh, that's why i kind of relate and i i think i mean I think there's similarities in moving uh, from one end of the country to another end just because you know the different sides of canada are so varied like it's a totally different world out here than it is in ontario but country to country seems more of a more of a leap but yeah, like it's just hard like that going through that whole process of thinking you know and there was a lot of times i went through the motion of have I made the right like even though knowing in your heart I made the right decision but still like am I crazy and what have I done here um, I definitely had those moments you know and some days I felt so homesick and just you know I'd have to Skype my friends from home and and you know there was even moments when I would have huge emotional breakdowns and I'd say I've made the wrong decision I want to you know I, w- I would call Josh or one of my other friends and say like I want to come home forever and they'd be like hold on just kind of you know, you're obviously having an emotional day. So I went through a lot of the ups and downs. And then all the excitement of being in a new place and all the challenges that come with networking and, you know, just kind of finding your sweet spot within within a new place is a, a challenge of its own. And cool because it it allows you to draw on some skills that, that might have been dormant when you're living in a place that is so familiar. So in so many ways... it brought out, you know, different facets of my personality that I think I might not have been as familiar with if I hadn't been, you know, put in, in, in that situation. So a whole mix of stuff, ups and downs and suffering and joy. And it was just like, you know, that's why I would say emotional opportunity. Absolutely. And roller coaster ride of emotion. Absolutely. <laughs> so just like connect with all of that.
1: So do you ever, did you have that same feeling, Christine, about the home, being homesick or making the right decision at all?
2: Oh, yeah. And it's
0: actually funny because in high school, I studied hotel keeping and catering because that's my second passion is food. I'm such a big foodie. <laughs> And that is the thing I miss the most, homesick. I had to find, like, the chutney that I like and the condensed milk that I liked. And, you know, now it's obviously better because you acclimatize your environment, like Jane said. But at first, for me, the most homesick part was the food. And then secondly, the weather. Like, I know people complain about the weather, but really, if you're from a country where it's mostly warm, you know, here at February's end, you're like, Wow like Jane said did I make the right decision cuz it is cold <laughs> i could be on a beach right
2: now <laughs> right and like i even had shifts in the weather too or whatever cuz the, like the winters are super mild like on the west coast of canada we don't it's not like ontario where it's like so much snow and we get a lot of rain just rain yeah. and rain and rain and rain like nonstop <laughs> but like um you know which is it's its own set of challenges too like some people move to the west coast of canada and feel super depressed because it will rain for, you know, 95 days straight. It's relentless. But I don't have to shovel a driveway in the same way that I would get up for work in Ontario and, and you know, have to spend an, an hour cleaning my car. And and so it has its, you know, it's kind of like you win some, you lose some. It's got its own things. But um, at the end of the day, no matter what, it's, it's an adjustment for sure. And it takes... Um, It takes a little bit of time, I think, to to ease into, you know, any kind of move, regardless of how far from your original destination it is.
0: It's true. And
2: if I can just add to
0: that. Oh, sorry. No,
2: go go ahead.
0: Um, I actually explained it to people when I worked at the bank that you really need to know who you are if you move a lot. Because even in South Africa, we were, I think, I was in three high schools you know, five primary schools, two universities, and we lived in Namibia for a while too. So I was kind of used to moving. And I think the biggest thing that came out of it is that I really had to know who I am because you have to reintroduce yourself to so many people so frequently that you have to get that core so that you can just be okay wherever you are placed. Very good
2: insight. Yeah, I would agree with that.
1: And so how did you develop that core? Because you said you moved around a lot. So do you have tips on on dealing with that or how you got to that place?
0: Well, journaling was definitely a part of it. Actually, when I was six, I wrote a little budget on what I want my business to be. I still have the piece of paper. It's really cute. So just setting those type of life goals to be this is my end destination. I want this for myself, kind of manifesting the type of life that I want. And in every situation, taking a life lesson from it. So if I'm in South Africa, I get how you live when you are in fear and when you have to survive on a very basic level. When you're in Canada, you know, the life lessons I learn is also how to just relax a little bit and how to have fun and how to just enjoy things and how to not take things so seriously. So I think that is important for yourself to take these little tidbits these little life lessons along the way and write them down so that when you do get to a point where you are low and where you don't really know what to do and where to go from there, you can reflect back and say, hey, I survived this. You know, whatever I'm dealing with now is just
2: small in comparison. Look how far I have come. Amazing. Did your journey of self discovery, how does that relate to the? Can you just tell us a little bit about the journaling and how you got started with that and how that relates to, like you just touched on a little bit, but more of the self discovery stuff in connections with the journaling? Sure. Like I
0: said, the journaling that I have done was sort of blank journaling. So it's just in a blank book and just started writing exactly, you know, sort of pinpointing where is my struggle, how, Are the triggers involved in this? Is this a new trigger? Is this a past trigger? So, kind of getting an objective opinion coming to me when I write, then I can read it back as if I'm a third person reading this person's story. Saying, oh, yeah, this doesn't make sense, you know, and then I think of why it doesn't make sense. So, sort of objectively looking at my situation. So, I took that idea and having been in the medical field growing up with my mom being a doctor and she's a psychologist doctor and she worked for oncology and she was the main counselor. So I took a a lot of that, how she moved her patients from one step to the next to the next in terms of psychology. And I just put it into a guided journal because not everybody can sit down and just start writing away. It's too overwhelming because there's so many facets that go into a bad situation. You have the external factors, you have your internal factors. So it's sort of like having a shrink or a best friend gently guiding you from the one step to the next step to the next step. And then that is how I created these journals. So for example, the loss and grief, it is like you said, you, you felt so alone and sort of depressed And I know there's anxiety when it comes to loss and grief as well. How can I continue? So instead of just starting to write down everything that you feel, the guided journals say, okay, here's a section on it. Write down these prompts or answer these prompts. Do some visualizations, calm yourself, really get into the flow of where you are at. Then it doesn't look like a mountain. Then it's step by step by step until in the end that you can accept, you can get the gifts from whatever journey this was. You can write them down because we experience loss on a daily basis. Right? I just see my kids, they go to school. That's a loss. They lose staying at home by going to school. So we have these skills sets already built into our lives. And by guided journaling, you can go back and see, you know, I'm good at this. I can do this. But it's in sections and it's guided. Does that make sense?
2: Absolutely. Very cool. I'm very intrigued. And I think, it's, you. I think you're right. A lot of people can't just sit down and right away. They need, they need some kind of thing. Same with the guided meditation. People have guided meditation because it helps them feel like they know what they're doing or they have something, some kind of groundwork to spring off of. So I think that's really important. And even people who can sit down and write on a blank page, I mean, I'd love to just write on a blank page it's It's good, but I also am open to the option of of having some kind of a some like a template to work with so very cool idea. So what Thank are the you. benefits of journaling in as it relates to grief then, just like in general, or your grief or can you speak a little bit on that? For sure. In terms of the grief,
0: the journal that we did create, it it does use the Kubler-Ross idea of the five stages of grief, but it goes a little bit beyond that. We also say that this journal is actually yours. And I think that is really important as well, because I think sometimes people can get so stuck into, oh, I'm at this stage. Oh, I'm at this stage. No, but life doesn't happen like that. So why should your grief? You can feel angry today and sad tomorrow and Back to angry and like it's a roller coaster for lack of a better word.
2: Right? Right?
0: So I think in terms of this grief journal, the real true benefit is that you make it your own. And the other thing too for self help books, for example, they're really amazing and they give you these insights, but it's a different person's story. It's not your story. My story will never be the same as yours, will be the same as the next person's. So this guided journal is yours. It's so personal that I think that is really where the strength lies. You are going to find those skills for yourself. It's not somebody else telling you this is where you need to be. You, If you do this journal and you commit, it guides you through all of this so that you can find it for yourself. And I think that is really where the value lies.
1: Amazing. Yeah, that's so interesting because you know I, I'm not one to journal or I haven't. And so when I when I saw you at the uh, at the conference, it was like, oh, it's, it brought up like an interesting question on like, what are the benefits? And for you, as you're saying, it helped you through your life. I know a lot of people are like that. You know, we have, you know, kids will have those journals that you get at the dollar store, right? That's like a lock and key. And so, <laughs> like, you know, write your <laughs> thoughts and stuff down. And I know there's research on the benefits of that, which is so cool. So when you, so you came, you came to Canada and then you had this epiphany of, wanting to start these journals so what was that process like like did you did people like support you in that venture
0: they did and the journals have only been it's a year now that they've been in the marketplace so first i took up screenwriting so i did all these courses in screenwriting and we went to the austin film festival we did really well there with all the screenwriting and the screenplays and then it dawned on me that you know i i should merge my business with my writing And because I have all this knowledge and I was brought up in this idea of also dealing with a lot of death, (laughs) you know, throughout my life, throughout growing up different people that we lost to crime and various other things. So I decided, you know, this is something that I can give to the world. It's not just a story that they can read and it's not just a business for the sake of a business. This is really a merging of my love of writing, but it's the person's story. So it's sort of giving them that idea that they can write their own story. You can write your own life story. And if you look at the journals itself too, it is also sort of screenplay formatted in terms of how it leads you. So a lot of it is just so meshed and then it just dawned on me, I need to do this. And I love Pinterest, so I put a lot of (laughs) images in there with quotes. And you know, I wanted to make it aesthetically pleasing as well that you want to pick it up, that it's not just... Like you were saying previously the the academic writing it's very
2: rigid, right It's very like you have to do this, you have to do this, it's <laughs> you know, be you're not a yeah. if you're not in that if you're not in that group you, you know like m- majority of people find my academic writing very boring, <laughs> and if you're not in academia, <laughs> then you're not you know people say, what have you written well you'll you'll never read it <laughs> because it's like <laughs> the majority of stuff right it's not unless you're in that world. It's not, it's boring to a lot of people. It's, it's just because they, they don't, I mean, I find it fascinating because I just have that, it's one of my passions. I love academic writing and, you know, that stuff serves its its purpose. But yeah, people like beautiful things. Uh, people don't care about APA and formatting and, and all that stuff. I mean, that stuff gets me going, but the average person, they want something pretty and, you know, speaks to their colorful, creative, And so, yeah, I I mean, I'm going to pick something up that that looks aesthetically pleasing, you know, before I grab a big stack of black and white papers. And I think to your point, though, at least for the academic
0: part of it, it's in the back of the journal, like as in the the other layer of it, because it is based in all that research. It's based on all that academics. I mean, it took us a year and a half to get all the academic things out of the way in terms of knowing where the process is, knowing where you have to go, research, 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 yeah, writing, writing, right. writing. But the right. final product is that everybody can just use it. And it's nice and it's beautiful, but it has that substance to it, which is what we found in the marketplace there isn't. Like for, and I'm not dissing any journals. Any journaling is wonderful. I just know from the research that, for example, a gratitude journal, at some point you're going to be thankful for the same things. You're gonna be thankful for your family, you're gonna be thankful for your life, you're gonna be you know what I mean? So it it sort of doesn't push the boundaries for growth as much as these guided journals do, because they are based in academics.
2: Very smart. So it becomes it has a good concrete foundation that's substantive, but at the same time it's it's wrapped in a way that can connect to to the map. It's very smart. It's very smart because yeah, you don't want something that's too fluffy that's that's not going to help people dig a little bit deeper and you're absolutely right i can say i'm grateful for my family every day but how can i elaborate on that so that i can get some valuable new insights that are gonna help me propel myself and my life and my perspective forward
0: exactly for example there's a section in the loss and grief journal about how you deal with people at the funeral then you can write there who do you not want to come to this funeral and why <laughs> like, these are things like that it. people don't want to talk about but everybody has that one person that they're like oh my god i think really coming like you know so it's very real as well and in terms of the dreams as well we say there this is a normal part of it it's normal to see the person Although, you know, they're not there anymore. You know, it's normal to dream about them. It's all these things that people could be afraid to express. And even if they're afraid to express it to another person, the journal is there. Just get it off your chest. Another benefit of it, right? Getting it out there, getting it outside yourself so it doesn't block your growth.
1: Yeah, I wonder. It's very interesting you brought up the even like the dream stuff because I think it's interesting because, yeah, a lot of people write down their dreams they have after loss. And there's probably some therapeutic value in that. That's interesting. Thank you. And, and so uh, what other so you have uh, one book on grief and loss. What other books do you have or journals?
0: I have one for women who have breast cancer. And then there is another one for people who support those with cancer, and that is any cancer. So it's the family or friends. That one really focuses on how you still take care of yourself, because a common thing is, you know, you'll have a cold and then you don't want to say, oh, I'm sick because this person has cancer. And I always say, you know, no trauma is a competition. You cannot have your grief the same as mine. It's not a competition. So the same as, you know, sickness and all those things. You need to take care of yourself. And then there's one for the professional caregiver. That one really focuses on burnout. And again, the boundaries that you place for yourself and why you made this decision to be a caregiver in the first place. So it sort of brings back past triggers, those type of things. And then the one for divorce, that one is actually not emotional. That one is if you're going through a divorce, then you'll save a lot of legal fees if you get this one because that's my legal background that I just put in there because all a divorce really is is a division of assets. And then if you have that, you can also use the grief journal because you've lost a spouse, you've lost that security. So they do kind of all mesh into each other for all sorts of life purposes. And the next one that will be published Next week or the week after is one on infertility, women
2: facing infertility. Wow. Oh, my God. It's just like opened up a huge can of worms, and now I have all these questions. <laughs> We're not going to have time to touch on everything in this podcast. But So where can I buy these? They're available on Amazon. You can buy Amazon, them. yeah. Okay, because I'm really interested in infertility one because that's huge among like me and my friends and everything, its that's a topic that comes up a lot. And then the caregiving one for, because um, I'm a life coach, so i that's my job, and I'd be interested to see what kind of things that brings up doing that journal. I mean, all of them are interesting, you know, and my grandma had breast cancer, so that's, that's something I would be interested in. But a lot of really cool resources for people that are just enduring, you know, the trials of life. So very creative. And I like how you've just, you know, combine find a way to combine your legal knowledge and your love of writing and your the influence from you know your mom and 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 her psychology profession and I just think it's so cool and it speaks to our socialization and how we can utilize all those different facets of our life in order to you know make something that's beneficial to others and at the same time that we can use as our our purpose and our calling, and, and ultimately, too, a way to make a living. Very resourceful.
0: Thank you so much. And that's spot on. <laughs> that's how I feel about it.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You should. It, that makes perfect sense <laughs> to me. But just hearing you talk, I'm like, wow, she's really pulled on like every aspect of your life. And I, I, I see those parallels in my own life. And I know, you know, Josh has reflected on those things in his own upbringing and his own socialization, how that's kind of brought him to where he's at. So it's just really cool how, you know, people deal with the, make use of of, of the hand that we're dealt, for lack of a better uh, metaphor.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Taking those little gifts and making it into something beautiful.
1: And so in the bio, it says you're a mother of two. Did you ever journal after giving birth? Because... I know Jay just gave birth and I, I hear about some of the, uh, the transitions that occur because of that. And so you know, did, were there many transitions that were kind of difficult for you that you need to journal?
0: Well, that's a fun topic altogether. Yes, I have also been bugged to do a pregnancy journal and a postpartum one. Because I think the biggest thing coming back to loss and grief, you kind of lose who you were before you had kids. I think, and not to sound sexist at all, but men go back to work, right? Not a lot changes for them all of a sudden. you as a mom, you're the primary caregiver. You don't sleep at night, you're you know you're not even sure if you're doing the right thing most of the time. At least you know by the second kid, you sort of know what you're doing or you just don't have the energy to care as much. I don't know, <laughs> but it is it's a it's a loss, it's a big, big loss. You have to reinvent you know your perspective on things. So I think you're right. There's a big, big transition, an emotional transition. You know, you're emotional as a person. And if we're the same, we're not even in a country where we have the same support system or in the same province. So you're also now dealing with losses that you previously had, that you have a new perspective on. You're like, oh, if my friends were here, we could all be pregnant together and figure these things out by ourselves. But now you sort of need to
2: start from scratch so i Absolutely. think huge transition
0: and maybe i will
2: maybe i will do a pregnancy journal <laughs> it it's so funny that we're talking about this now cuz my article that got published this morning for the lifestyle magazine that i was just talking about the article today was called the sixth trimester and so it was about my journey in realizing two weeks ago i was at the gym and i was doing my evening workout and you know this thought came to my head i had this kind of you know i get Twinges, or I don't know how I would describe it, in my body, like in my joints, or like different parts, you know. And I'm eight months postpartum, but I re—I had this thought, like I'm not, I'm not fully healed. Oh my god, <laughs> like it's like, you know, my body is still coming to. And I thought, oh, you just have a baby, you know, because she's my first. And you thought, oh, you just have a baby, and it's kind of just like back at it. But I realize I'm still integrating all the emotional stuff, and physically my body's still on the road to recovery and it's a it's a a process and it's its own set of challenges you know that are closely related to the challenge, the physical life challenges I had during my pregnancy and so it's almost like the pregnancy's still going in a way because it's things I never had you know before I got pregnant and and all the different changes. And, and so it's just, it's really wild. And so how that whole situation allows for surrendering, and patience, and acceptance, and, you know, again, pulling on all different facets of your, of your, of your character, and uh, forcing you to connect with those, you know, those ideas. And so that was, that was the, the article today. And, and I think that's really important, because I think, you know, there's a fallacy when it comes to, particularly people that are just having their first child, with how, that, how that's going to be after. And wow, I've discovered a lot, a lot of stuff that I had no idea about. So it's, it's, it's really cool. It's been, it's been a challenge. But I definitely resonate. And I think there's a huge market for journaling on the postpartum and pregnancy and just the whole experience, the whole journey.
1: All right, let's uh, move forward uh, just because of time. Yeah. Let's move forward to yeah. grief. And you, you've mentioned, Christine, that you had a couple deaths in South Africa. Um, can you speak on some of those?
0: Yes, I won't give you the list because it's quite long. But I will, if you allow, then I will tell you my most recent one. My mom was actually back in Africa helping out my aunt. She was diagnosed with terminal breast cancer. And it was at the end where my mom went in because she had such experience previously working on oncology. And then when my aunt actually passed away, she texted me. So I wasn't even in South Africa. And the last time I was back was 16 years ago. So I haven't been back since. So I wasn't there for that. And I remember I just woke to pick up my son from school And the clouds opened up and there was this ray of sunshine just as I got the text that she passed away. So in that sense, I felt like we were very connected. Although even in South Africa, we were not connected. We were not close because she was only 10 years older than I am because my mom comes from a very large family. And that night, I actually dreamt that I was standing behind my aunt and she knocked on this door. And she opened it up and it was cobblestones, golden cobblestones, almost like a street in a European market. And I followed her as she walked down the street and she stopped in front of a big hotel and the revolving door allowed her entry. So the next day I called my mom and I said, this is the strangest, strangest dream. What is going on? So unbeknownst to me, my aunt went on a camping trip the summer before she passed away, and she hated the tent that she was in. So she packed up her stuff and went to a hotel all by herself, (laughs) and she had champagne there. (laughs) So then it made sense to me. I was like, wow, we are connected because we are so close. She was a businesswoman. She has two little children. She was a wife, you know, and I got a glimpse into, I guess where she is at now. She is in this grand hotel on the other side.
1: That's cool. So it brought you... So did you get comfort right away from the dream? Or was it only after you spoke with your mom and connected dots?
0: It was a very comforting dream to start with. There was nothing bad to it. I just couldn't connect it. It was just for me so bizarre to dream of somebody that I don't really know. She's my aunt, but I did feel connected to her because of the journal even that I wrote about breast cancer and she did the journal. She actually wrote in the journal before she passed away. So we had that connection, but we were continents removed and it was just weird. So I was comforted, I guess, when I knew that, oh, it related to something. So just that connection that we have.
1: That's, that's so interesting. So did it bring the connection, I guess, to have. to do you feel you have a greater connection with her now because of that experience?
0: I do. I really wow. do. Wow. I feel like, you know, if you believe in guides and you know people moving on to the other side and and the journals that I'm doing, you know, like what are the odds that I do one for breast cancer and then my aunt gets diagnosed? Like there's all these coincidences that you can not always explain.
1: So, does this mean you're going to have another child if you're going to be uh <laughs> doing a pregnancy?
0: <laughs> huh. No. <laughs>
2: She's good. Thank you. Boy and a girl. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many reasons why that's funny. Good one, Josh. We like that. Thanks. Um, yeah. <laughs> amazing, amazing dream, an amazing story. Wow, all the parallels, all the mysteries of life.
1: And I've heard people uh speak about having dreams of people they don't they're not really connected to, but they maybe you'll have sometimes a message for someone else. Maybe it's like their child or something. And I think it just it makes these, this topic so interesting to me that bonds that really didn't have people had before can actually grow and become more than they were when they're in waking life. So I think that's super cool that uh, you have that new relationship with your aunt. And so I'm just curious too. So I know you have other losses. Do you have any other dreams um, of anyone else who has passed away?
0: Um, Not particularly. I think To a certain extent, I closed that chapter off of my life. The, you know, the people who passed away from suicide or, you know, I know they said you can't say passed away from suicide, who committed suicide (laughs) and who were in South Africa, you know, who were victims of crime. I've sort of moved on from that. So I think mentally and spiritually, there's a shield that I don't go there anymore because for my own sanctity and for my own health and my own mental health. I don't dream of them. So I think my aunt passing away just in sort of normal-ish circumstances from cancer, you know, there was no trauma involved. It was sort of a good start of a new cycle of bringing death into a better perspective to say it's not always crimeful. It's not always horrendous and horrific. That makes any sense?
1: yeah no it it makes a lot like it's it's hard to cope and especially when you have a lot of attachments and those in these relationships and they end very tragically like how are you supposed to cope with that you know so there's different ways we try to maneuver that and so it's nice you found a way and hopefully i'm guessing as you move forward in life and journaling um that stuff will come out in, in different ways because as long as it's dealt with it, it can just be there but if you're like sort of shielding it away as you're saying right uh, just because it, it causes too much emotions within um one day it will want to be released like everything else right a lot of our traumas one day it wants to be released and you know i i hope when that day comes it's you can manage it through what you've learned while here in canada you know like and uh it's just it's i can't imagine you're saying you know multiple suicides multiple uh criminal deaths and stuff and you're just like wow like I I wouldn't even know how to even process that.
0: Well, if you want to uh, elaborate on that, like you said, you know, you do have to deal with it. And I think, you know, that is what I have done. Because one night, just when we first came to Canada, I yelled so loud. I was thinking I was getting murdered that the neighbors called the police and they actually had to come to see if there's a domestic disturbance. So I was like, oh no, sorry, sorry. Here's like my you know, shrink PTSD, we're working through this. This is part of working through it. (laughs) So I did have those when I first came to Canada, but now I feel like it's fully healed and that is why I can shield it. I don't have to go back to it. Like Mm. even if you read the news of South Africa or thinking about my friends, I'm placing them in a different category. Like I said in the beginning, and like Jay said, the autonomy. They can deal with their own life. I'm not there. Whatever stresses I'm going to have of them is not going to make any difference to their day to day lives. I'm sending them great love and energy. And, you know, we keep in contact, but I can't make decisions for them. Mm but in terms of me i can make a decision to keep my positive healthy happy energy with myself so i don't need to go back to those dreams i don't need to go back to the people who have passed away i dealt with it with intense therapy and extreme journaling so they're kind of in a in that way shielded to be oh, okay. like i don't need to bring them back into my sphere
2: because they're mm. dealt with so it's it's more about so it's integrated Oh, okay. Yes, and it's more about you feel, so maybe shielding isn't the right, you know what I mean, because yeah, shielding yeah, thinks like you're hiding from it, but it's more, and I have like certain things like that in my life that it's like, the it's been processed and the job is done, I don't have to keep going back to certain things, you know what I mean, I'm not, I don't have an an attachment or an aversion to event or person or, or whatever it is, but it's kind of like you've integrated it into your experience and and made emotional, psychological, spiritual sense of, of whatever it was that happened and how it made you feel and da-da-da-da-da, and then now you can move more to a place of releasing it and, and letting it go rather than keep kind of peeking your head in the door. Are you still there? Um, because once things have served its purpose, I think holding on to holding on to some things can become more of a hardship than um than a help, and you know some people identify with their traumas for a very long time, and that can hold them back from moving on to other things so I think it's about knowing when certain things in your life have ran their course and given you the insight and the enlightenment that they're meant to, and then like you said you you release them and there's no need to keep going back to those events because they're they're integrated and it's it's done. You can surrender it and, and move forward. Exactly.
0: And I think the shielding part is just that, you know, I don't watch movies that could allow me to trigger back to that or I don't read news reports willingly that would allow me to go back to that. So that's sort of what I meant with the shielding. It's like I'm very aware of what I read, what I watch, sort of the circumstances that I find myself in so that I don't have to go back there. And I think that is sort of my definition of it, to be like, you know, I don't want to have a dream of this. So if I watch this movie and if I am finding myself in a circumstance where I don't feel safe or if I do these certain things, this is likely what will result in it. So I just avoid that whole thing, not because I'm scared, but because I love myself and I don't need to go back there. So it's more from a power perspective to say, nope, don't need it. (laughs)
2: Right. Right.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, like words, right? Like when I heard S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm like, oh, you're avoiding it. But then when you start talking, I'm like, oh, no, you're not avoiding it. It's just you know, you've integrated a lot of it into your your being. And uh, you have moved forward in a lot of areas. And you just don't want to see that kind of violence in movies or read about that kind of stuff. Because um, it can bring up different triggers, as you said. So you're much further along the path than, uh, <laughs> than I first thought. And so when so i didn't know about all that and the trauma that you you actually been through, and my heart goes out to you and, and what you had to face throughout your life because you know like we don't have as much time we'll have you back on, I think talk about that more, but I can only imagine uh, the stories that you you do have um just for our guests that maybe who have experienced a traumatic loss or, or, or listeners, what advice do you have for them who are maybe going through that right now?
0: I think the best advice is the one my My psychologist actually gave me and she said that, you know, it's not your fault. First of all, be kind to yourself, be gentle to yourself, give yourself enough time to work through this. It's sort of like a ball of string that is just tangled up and then all you need to do is untangle it. Take it one step at a time
2: and the end process will be great. You will get through this patience a lot on patience and allowing things to unfold in in their in their own time i think that's really good advice because a lot of times we want to rush through things or we want it done now and um like life and and everything has has perfect way of timing everything i'm a big believer in that so i like that advice thank you (laughs)
0: Problem. You're welcome.
2: <laughs> so you shared your grief dream, beautiful dream, and we always like to um, ask our guests at the end of our, toward the end of our episodes, if 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 they could have a a, a grief dream of anyone, um, what would it be and what would it look like? And I'm sure Josh will ask you a million questions about the setting, <laughs> but if you could if you could conjure up. In your beautiful, big, vibrant imagination, what would if you could have a dream tonight, can you just kind of detail what that might look like and and who would be the main character in that dream?
0: I think I would like to dream about my aunt, the one who passed again and you know maybe have some champagne with her at the hotel that she's in. And I would ask her, I think I know the answer, but nobody can tell you because it's hard to prove. But there has to be a decision point to die and not if the death is instant or but, for example, if it's after a long struggle with cancer. Do you at some point just decide in your mind that you are ready for the next step to move on to that next phase? And what does that decision feel like in your body? What is that actual transition from this life to the other side?
2: Whoa. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very that's I'm like, hello, Jade, is that you? Because that was, that is a question that I would ask. That's a very inquisitive question and very interesting. Brings up a lot of stuff. That's very cool.
0: Josh, For part Judy two of the M. podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Josh, what do you think?
1: I think it's amazing. Amazing question. And you know, I got, I got some up questions for this. Of course you do. <laughs> I kind of, I, I like, I first want to say, I like how you brought the hotel back into it. It's almost like you have this like dream like setting that these dreams happen in, you know, like when it's in the hotel, it's like representative so much more. Um, so it's like this like kind of like afterlife and like, and here she is and everything. I think it's kind of cool. Um, so what do you, so you're having champagne, which is amazing. Oh, uh, what are you guys wearing?
0: Oh, we'll be dressed to the nines. Oh. Chanel, Prada, you know. <laughs> Name it, it'll be there. Vintage Chanel even. <laughs> Maybe Coco Chanel will
2: join us, who knows. <laughs> okay, now I want to come too. <laughs> join us. For Amazing. sure. <laughs> Amazing.
1: So we have four people in the dream now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> living and, and and deceased it's a mix-up it's a, mix a mash-up oh yeah, that's wow funny.
0: that's
1: good and it seems it seems like an amazing dream and you know hope you have that one day if you do you gotta let us know because i'm curious about that answer myself
0: i definitely will thank you and you're invited too, joshua you can oh work.
1: yes five people
0: <laughs> <More>. <laughs> oh,
1: that's, that's fun and if i have that dream i'll let you know <laughs>
2: That's awesome. Please. So. <laughs> Very cool. Right. Well, go ahead,
1: Josh. I was going to say, um, I'm just going to wrap up the podcast. And so uh, it was an amazing conversation and we're going to have you back on again, because there's so much more I want to hear about from the culture differences uh, with how, with grief and also how people mourn. Right. And uh, all that entails in the two different countries, and then also too, on, on what you're doing and especially when it, I, We didn't have time, but I want to know more about some of the the journals. I'm going to have to buy myself to figure some of those questions out. But I'd love to have you on again because I think it's worthwhile for people to do this. And if you haven't tried it, I think try it out because it it seems to be working for some people. And why not? If you're struggling, try things out. And that's how you figure out what works for you and what doesn't. So uh, where can people find the journals again? And do you have any kind of websites? I know you you have what you call Pinterest. Is that what it was?
0: Yes, I do have Pinterest, but <laughs> I do have my formal website. It's journalingthrough.ca, and I'm also on Instagram at journalingthrough and Twitter at journalingthrough, and there's a Facebook page at journalingthrough. <laughs> Great.
2: Thank you.
1: I, know I follow well, the Thank you ad so ins- much. I know I follow the Instagram page, and it's pretty good, and I like how you, you do the quotes and stuff. Uh, they're they're pro- very professional, i got to say.
2: Oh, she didn't tell me this. I'm going to follow the Instagram page, too. <laughs> very cool. Thank you so much. I I, am, I really enjoyed today's episode, and I know the listeners, I know everybody listening is going to love this episode. And what a cool breath of fresh air, and uh, just your, you have a beautiful spirit and a very inquisitive mind, and um, I just know that this episode is going to trigger some creative juices for the people listening and how and how they can make sense of their hand of cards as they've been dealt in life whether positive or negative or neutral or whatever it is and and just you know really take time to reflect on on how you know how they can make sense of what they've been given and you you set a beautiful example so thank you for coming on and being so open and uh i had a lot of fun today
0: Oh, thank you both so much. It was so inspirational. I could feel the love. Thank you, thank you. It it was really a blessing. Thank you.
1: Well, I'm glad you enjoyed uh, enjoyed your time here. And I want to just yeah say same thing with like what Jay was saying, but also go a little further and say you're you're an inspiration to a lot of people who have suffered trauma in their lives, and as a beacon that it can get better. You know, by working, by seeing someone like, going for help, and you know, being motivated to work through some of that trauma can actually be very beneficial and that's what's happened to you and you've made a whole career out of this stuff and you're just continuing to help people process their losses in all different ways and I think that's an amazing uh, quality of of who you've become and I think that's amazing and I hope you're proud of who you've become and uh, despite the stuff you had to go through you had enough courage to do the things needed to to actually be an inspiration for others so I want to thank you for that.
0: Yeah. That's so
2: wonderful to say. Thank you, Joshua. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah,
1: beautiful. So for our stuff, um, please check out our platform at griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic. On there, you see there's a newsletter, but also you, I have a, there's a presentation page. And so there's actually two presentations going on if you're in the Kitchener-Waterloo region. So we have one um, called the 10 things I learned about grief dreams, and that's on April 30th, and it's two hours at 7 p.m. Then there's another one, it's a full-day workshop on exploring grief dreams, and that's on May 26. And so if you are interested in hearing me talk, the one's free, uh, the workshop, there's a fee. Um, please go to the, the griefdreams.ca website and look under presentations, and you'll see the links in there. And they're probably going to be my last presentations until I think I'm going to go to BC, but then I'll be graduating. So this is sort of the last time for probably like six months. Also, if you have Facebook, you can join the Grief Dreams Facebook group You can check us out on Instagram or Twitter at Grief Dreams. Also, this podcast can be found on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and now on Spotify and many other podcasting platforms. And as we like to say, uh, with love and gratitude from us to you.